Before we get to this week's episode, I'd like to remind you all that my book, The Anxious Person's Guide to Non-Monogamy, is available through most major bookstores. It would be lovely if you would purchase it through the Jessica Kingsley Publishers website. Just do a little Google. It's a great book for people brand new to non-monogamy or people who have tried it for a while and need a little bit more structure. You can head to nonmonogamyhelp.com forward slash book for more details and to show an interest in the audiobook, which would be really, really helpful to me. If you've bought it and read it, please give it a rating or review on Amazon. If you don't mind, that's also very helpful. Thank you so much for your support. Let's get to this week's episode. Non-monogamy help is a podcast where your questions about open, non-monogamous or polyamorous relationships are answered. Our host, Lola Phoenix, will consult a licensed therapist with over a decade of experience to address your problems. Names and locations have been changed or censored to keep your questions anonymous. You're listening to Non-Monogamy Help, the podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 89 of the Non-Monogamy Help podcast. I'm Lola Phoenix. If you would like your question answered in the podcast or the column, you need to email your question to nonmonogamyhelp at gmail.com, and you can let me know if you'd rather have it in the column or the podcast. It's totally up to you. Otherwise, I will choose as it fits my schedule. If you want to read the columns and listen to all the podcasts, you can go to nonmonogamyhelp.com. Subscribe to the newsletter by going to go.nonmonogamyhelp.com forward slash email. And when you do that, you get everything in your inbox so you don't have to remember. And we're also on Twitter. I say we, it's me. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at nonmonogamyhelp. And if you want to be an awesome person and support what I'm doing, I really appreciate it. If you become a patron, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Lola Phoenix. And anything that you do, even like one dollar a month is really supportive it goes towards the cost of running the column and it's just like hey i appreciate what you do which i i very much appreciate and if you donate five dollars or more a month your name with your permission will be read at the end of the podcast let's get to this week's discussion question if this is the first time you're hearing an episode every week before i read the letter i put forth the discussion question you can use with your friends partners or anyone else that you want to get to know a little bit more i also answer it myself briefly to give you a little bit of context this week's discussion question is what safer sex rules have you negotiated in previous relationships that are different now this is a little bit of an interesting one for me because i feel like in the past i've been really really paranoid about sexual health for understandable reasons i am somewhat immunocompromised though i don't really know how much and it's just having another thing to manage on my additional very complicated plate of myriad health issues would be a really big pain in the butt and i don't really want to do that and you know i feel like i was probably very influenced by a lot of the things that i grew up with that kind of use scare tactics tactics rather to keep people from having sex and yeah I was very 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 scared of lots of things and I think that was very reflective in the rules that I wanted to have in some relationships but I think now I'm a little bit more relaxed about it but I feel like I'm also better at talking about things up front I think I'm also better at like clarifying what I mean by safer sex because I feel like we don't always have the same definition. Different people have different definitions, so I think I'm kind of well aware of that now. So yeah, that's my answer, and I'll say the discussion question again. What safer sex rules have you negotiated in previous relationships that are different now? Let's get to this week's letter. (music) 
I've been with my fiance for only a little over a year. In April of 2021, he started taking medication for his anxiety, which lowered his sex drive, and then it really lowered once he started getting busy with work. He's always so stressed and anxious with work, which really messes his, with the sex drive, and it doesn't help that I talk with him about how it's affecting me because it just puts more pressure on him. He's also always had a weird thing about only having sex in the morning because he doesn't want to get gross and sweaty like in the middle of the day or get all worked up before bed. I was okay with that for a while, but honestly, it's boring. The sex is amazing and I love every minute of it, but I hate having scheduled sex. We also only have sex once a week, if that. I'm craving a relationship where you can't keep your hands off each other and want to have sex every two seconds, and it doesn't matter if you're all sweaty and your hair is messed up at 3pm in the afternoon and you still have things to do. But besides the sex thing, we are honestly so amazing together and I'm excited for our future, but this is a big deal for me. I'm considering bringing up having an open relationship, but I don't even know if I can handle it. I started listening to your podcast on a little bit about all of it, and I plan to further my research, but these are some things I recognized about myself just from listening to a couple of your episodes. It's not that I'm afraid he would stop loving me or that I would lose him if that happens, it happens. I just don't want the other woman to feel she has any power over him or matters or is better than me, especially if it's people he's hooked up with in the past and kept in his life as friends. I don't want them to think they had some type of hold on him. And then I was thinking I would be insecure if they were better in bed than me, but let's be real, I've only been having sex for six years and most of it was all in high school. I'm obviously not going to be as experienced or even as confident as older women. So I got over that, but then I was like, what if he hooks up with someone closer to my age and they're better? Well, then I'd be pretty damn hurt. But obviously, he's not going to tell me if they're better or not, so do I even need to worry about that? Also, he's made it very clear that, in a way, I am the best sex he's ever had because of the passion and the emotion is there. He's always struggled with actually having intimate feelings with women he's had sex with, but he didn't have that issue with me. So even if the girl was better and better, whatever, I know that what we had and have is special. When I think about doing an open relationship, I think of all the rules I'd want. Don't sleep with people you've slept before and are still friends with, which brings in my point earlier of not wanting that person to feel like they had power over him. For it to be strictly sex and not a friendship, no having sex in our homes, we live in a triplex next door to each other. I would love to say condoms are a must, but that honestly feels unrealistic, unfortunately, but at least no ejaculating inside women, even if they're on birth control or infertile. I feel like there's more that I can't think of. Knowing him, though, I think that he'd want a friendship with them. He has a lot more girlfriends than guy friends, and the majority of them he slept with a couple times. He'd date them, have sex with them, and then they'd realize they're better off as friends. I'm generally a very jealous person and insecure, so it doesn't really please me that he's still friends with a lot of those girls, but I just recognize today why that is, which was the woman thinking they're in control thing. I've used my looks and sex as an advantage in my life, and I've seen plenty of women do it too, so it's more that I'm insecure because I know what we're capable of. Before I get to this week's answer, I'm going to quickly plug this episode's sponsor, BetterHelp. Quite often in my columns and podcasts, I encourage people to seek a polyamory-friendly therapist. And for some people, looking locally for a therapist who may be supportive of polyamory can be impossible or out of their budget. BetterHelp allows you to find therapists online, so you can send messages to at any time of the day, and they do offer some financial aid. You can get 10% off your first month by using the promo code NAMINOGAMYHELP or going to betterhelp.com forward slash NAMINOGAMYHELP. Let's get to this week's answer. I will say that you mentioned in your letter that you didn't want me to disclose the age gap between you and your partner or the length of your relationship completely or the some of the more dynamic aspects of that. And I won't disclose that, but I think that that matters here because what you're saying to me as a 34-year-old doesn't actually seem off. It's very understandable for someone of his age to be stressed out about work 
and one time of having sex per week for a lot of couples, especially as they start living together and as they start entering a married life, is quite normal. It's not really normal to have people, once they're past the honeymoon stage of having a relationship, even within polyamory, for people to be, like, tearing their clothes off of each other. That's that's not really that normal. It's a nice thought, and it's something that's very endorsed by media and endorsed by Hollywood and, and very much seen as an ideal. But actually, if you read a lot of guides for couples and married couples and have, about sex, most of it will tell them to schedule sex because they have busy lives. And especially when you start to introduce children into the mix, once a week seems promising when you introduce children to the mix. And the reason why I say that is because you're at your age, I feel like having this want makes sense. And that's kind of exactly why people don't get married and settle, settle down when they're your age. Because they want to have that fun honeymoon stuff. And they do generally have it. Like somebody your age who wouldn't be in a committed relationship like this might actually have this kind of fun hookup thing with lots of different people. So I don't actually feel like there's anything wrong with the status of, of how things are. And I think that it's, it's kind of unrealistic. I don't think that it's a problem with him. And even, even he may, you know, want to sleep with you more often and may struggle with whatever anxiety medication he's taking and with stress from work. But once a week is pretty average and pretty normal, actually. And scheduling sex is sometimes what couples have to do in order to make time for one another. And it can actually be a lot of fun. Um, it isn't fun for you, and that's fine. But... What I'm pointing out to you is that this may be a factor of the fact that you are so young and he is not only older and further along in his life, but also that he has got a stressful job, that he's taking anxiety medication, and you've now been together for almost a year. And if you want to marry and settle down and have that kind of future, I feel like you wanting this kind of rip off your clothes type of thing is probably going to continue to be a disappointment for you regardless of whether you open or close your relationship or you stay with this guy or go with another. And I kind of feel like you'll grow out of it. Like, I just feel like maybe you're a little bit on the young side and you want to have all of this excitement and that's fine. And I do think that people have that and do still have passion for one another. I'm not trying to say that like married life is an end to passion, but a lot of people because of the complexity of their lives have to schedule that passion. And that is quite normal and typical. And so I do wonder if maybe you have just an incompatibility when it comes to your sex life. You could potentially open up because of that. However, there are lots of different things that really concern me about what you've written. Firstly, the idea of people having power over him. He He's the one who has power over himself. If he decides to sleep with somebody or go home with somebody, you know, that is his decision. That's not a power that somebody else has over him. Now, you very well have probably found men who are more than willing to do what you ask them to do because you, I'm assuming you have a certain level of privilege among, like, fitting the stereotype and standard of what beauty is meant to be, especially toward in high school and especially the younger people are slightly more immature. They're, you know, they're, they're more 
kind of going along with a stereotypical sense of like what is attractive. So you very you may have very well felt like you had power over guys because of that. But the thing is is that it's kind of a biased survey because the guys who are willing to just do whatever you want are the ones that will gravitate towards you rather than guys who kind of don't necessarily want to do those sorts of things if that makes sense. Like Maybe what you've seen and what you've experienced, I'm not saying it's not true, I'm not saying you've not been able to kind of sway men in a certain particular sense, but it's kind of also biased with your age and also biased with the fact that, like, yeah, guys who are more likely to kind of do what you want because they're sexually attracted to you are going to gravitate toward you versus the guys who won't, will not. So I'm saying this because you seem to have a very strangely territorial way of looking at this and it's really not that simple. And I think that that is a very big power dynamic that is kind of really, you know, I think maybe that's maybe contributes to why you've kind of picked this sort of relationship if you think that, you know, you have power over somebody in this way. I don't necessarily think that is... A great way to look at it because you're sort of robbing him of his own personal agency. He has control over the decisions that he makes and you're giving these other women in his life more power than they actually have and you're kind of in a way blaming them for the quote-unquote power they have over him instead of placing the responsibility where it belongs which is him. He's a grown man. He makes his own decisions and if he decides to you know sleep with somebody that's his decision and he's made that as a fully aware adult guy and this sort of idea of women having power is kind of very old school very rooted in misogyny very rooted in kind of a boys will be boys type of thing and it and it kind of I can get what you're saying like I'm not saying that you think that you know women have all the power or anything but when you kind of have this approach to things I just think that it it way oversimplifies things and it's really not that simple. It very much has to do with a lot of different factors that I think are worth considering. I think that there are a couple things as well in terms of your kind of worrying about being the best in bed. There are billions of people on this planet and there is an individual out there who is better at every conceivable thing that you are than you are. Like no matter what, there's going to be somebody who's better than you at something. And this kind of ties in with your previous thinking about power because this is a very old school kind of concept of how monogamy even works, which is that, we're, you know, love is a competitive space and you as someone who wants to find love must become super um, skilled and, you know, you're fighting for a love or a partner and you win a partner because you are the most skilled and that's not really the way that people choose partners or why it's way way more complex than that he didn't choose you and he may have tried to boost your ego and make you feel a little bit better and I'm not doubting his his experiences in terms of maybe he finds it a little bit easier to relate to you maybe he he does find you to be the best in bed that he's had however it, it that's not why people choose people necessarily, that it's more complex than that. Sometimes people's skills in bed will make them stay with somebody a lot longer than they actually want to. 
but it's not why somebody marries somebody. It's not because they're the best at X, Y, Z. That's just not how things are. It's just a lot more complicated than that. And rest assured, if you do open your relationship, he will find somebody that's better at any given thing than you are because that's just the nature of, of relationships. But your assumption and, and what a lot of people assume when they think about non-monogamy is that monogamy is safer and that in monogamy, he will never find anyone that's better and therefore abandon you. But that's actually not true. Unless you keep him under lock and key in a tower away from any other woman, he can and will meet people who are better than you at any given thing. Now, granted, you might say, well, but if we're monogamous, he won't ever sexually experience other women and therefore won't know if they're better in bed than you. Yeah, but they don't necessarily have to be better in bed specifically for him to be more interested in them or for him to fall out of love with you and fall in love with them. There isn't anything technically keeping him from falling in love with another woman and leaving you right now, even as your relationship is quote unquote closed. There's always that risk. And it's just that monogamy is so common and culturally enforced that you don't see it as a risk. And that's why people tell each other these sorts of things when they're in a relationship. And sometimes even when they try non-monogamy, it's that, oh, you're the best and you're the only one. And, you know, and it, I'm not denying those experiences. But what I'm saying is that you can't prevent or control whether or not there's somebody else that's better than you at any given thing. And you can't limit his experiences or try to control his experiences for the sake of preventing him from being exposed to someone who's better than you and therefore threatening your relationship. That's not necessarily going to work because even if you're, there are plenty of stories of people who are monogamous who meet somebody else at work or at any other thing and then dump their partner for that person. Like that happens and there isn't anything that you personally can do to, for, you know, other than locking him up, <laughs> there's nothing that you can actually do to stop that. I think it seems really bizarre because like the the funny thing about non-monogamy and about polyamory in particular is that there's a lot of arguments within the community or at least that I see about rules and whether or not you should have them but the one thing that most people agree on is that sexual health restrictions almost don't even count as rules so the fact that you're kind of like oh I think it's unrealistic to ask them to use condoms is really odd to me because that is kind of the thing that a lot of non-monogamous people unilaterally agree on. I think that there is a negotiation about sexual health that sometimes needs to happen. Different people have different risk profiles. One thing that I did in a previous relationship was I had a partner who was very much more interested in casual sex than I did and I was super paranoid about sexual health. So what we agreed on to make my anxiety a little bit easier was that together we would use the maximum amount of protection in everything we did and then that way we put up the most protection for me while then my previous partner was able to go about whatever protections he did or didn't want to use with any other people. But all sexual health has a risk and it seems like from what you're describing, because you don't want him to ejaculate inside another woman, whether they're on birth control or not, or they're infertile, it seems like you hold some type of specific emotional attachment to the idea of him ejaculating inside somebody, which again, these are concepts that you think that somehow it means more or that you think, I mean, that's what I'm assuming because you haven't because you kind of seem a little bit like, oh, well, I probably can't get him to not use condoms. There's a little bit of less of a fear there of, of sexual, um, sexually transmitted infections. But it seems like that has an emotional risk, which again, like, it's understandable if for you, having someone ejaculate inside you has an emotional meaning. That's legit. I'm not saying that it shouldn't. 
but it doesn't necessarily hold the same meaning for every single individual and you can't control what emotional meaning he does or doesn't put on that and there may be other sex acts that don't involve penetration at all that may actually hold more meaning and more of a intense experience for him and you can't necessarily control that is what i'm saying so on the whole, I think, yeah, sexual relate sexual health restrictions in terms of asking him to use condoms with other people is actually one of the most reasonable rules you've come up with here. One of the things that you can very much ask him to do and that a lot of people do within open relationships. But a lot of the other things that you're wanting to restrict him in terms of like, he's not allowed to have sex with certain people or et cetera and so forth. I think that it depends on what the function is of non-monogamy in your relationship. And that kind of brings me to my last point. There doesn't seem to be any benefit for him in this. It just purely seems to be that you have this concept of wanting to have sex not only more, but you don't want to have planned sex. And you want everything to be spontaneous, or at least you want more spontaneity. And while I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing, I do think that within the understanding of not only his age, but the fact that he is, you know, dealing with anxiety medication and the fact that he's also dealing from stress from work, the amount of times you're having sex and as well as having planned sex are both very normal for somebody of his age and also for married people, whether they're monogamous or not, to be honest with you. So on the whole, I think that it might be worth you thinking about breaking up purely because you are so young, purely because I feel like if this is what you want, then maybe a little bit more variety and a little bit more hooking up might be more interesting to you. But also because you can open a relationship to address a need in a, in a relationship that's not being met. However, both of the people within the initial monogamous relationship, I personally feel, need to have a good reason to actually do non-monogamy. If you read like my 101 and 102 articles that are available on my website, that's like the first thing that I think makes the difference. And that reason for participating in non-monogamy cannot be to save a monogamous relationship, purely because you're, you're wanting to save something that is fundamentally changed. So my worry is that if you go ahead and say, oh, I want an open relationship, he might agree purely for the sake of keeping you in his life. However, the only thing that you necessarily want out of this is to have more spontaneous sex. And I do believe you might have that, especially if you kind of go more into the swinger communities or you kind of just hook up with people. But if what you are wanting really is to be in a long-term monogamous relationship with somebody who is more spontaneous... I don't necessarily know is that an open relationship is going to fix that. And in fact, it might just cause you not only stress if you don't really know if you want this because you kind of still have very, you have still have these kind of concepts of ownership and control and power and very much wanting to control what he does to prevent him from leaving you. I feel like probably opening your relationship, especially if you fairly give him the right to also have hookups, it's probably just going to stress you out loads. So overall, I feel like you're not necessarily sexually compatible, probably because of the age gap and also because your expectations of what you want are not things that are particularly normal for the style of a relationship that you're pursuing. And it might be that you kind of 
grow out of it a bit. And, you know, I don't know. There are probably people who are interested in spontaneity regardless of age. But I do think that it's worth you having a really big think about this and maybe looking up the experiences and advice for couples, um, looking at the frequency at which monogamous couples who are married have sex. If you want to have children, really looking at that. Because I can say, and like I've kind of repeated ad nauseum, I apologize, is that planned sex is kind of, it is something that people encourage um, married couples to do precisely because married couples think that sex always has to be spontane spontaneous and they end up in that, oh, it has to be spontaneous and it has to be like Hollywood. They end up missing out on sexual intimacy because they don't plan things and they find that planning things is still just as exciting. So I feel like, you know, if you kind of look at the, at the way that married couples, married monogamous couples do experience that, then yeah, you're, you're, you're going to find that this is pretty normal for that kind of lifestyle. And so you might want to think about that. Think about what it is that you want, why you want it. And maybe I would definitely suggest going to see a polyamory-friendly therapist and talking it out with them. Find your anchor. Find what it is. Think about how your life with your partner would be different if you did have a non-monogamous relationship. What kind of non-monogamous relationship do you want? The way that you're kind of talking, it seems like you would rather have a almost swinger-style relationship or one where you just hook up with other people. But if he isn't going to want to do that, if he has to have some type of personal, like whether it's friendship or not, attachment with somebody, then that you may not be compatible. You both can be interested in open relationships and still be incompatible in terms of the style of open relationship that you want. So yeah, I think that there's a lot to really think about. To sum up, I know you didn't necessarily want me to mention the gap and I haven't mentioned what it is on the podcast, but I do think that that actually matters. And that's mostly because someone in his age range and someone who is dealing with the things he's dealing with and also who, if you're kind of looking at being married, this is a very typical frequency of sex and planned is frequent and something that people within this type of lifestyle should do. I think that you may want to challenge some of your personal ideas about power and control. I don't doubt that you have probably had a lot of experiences with um, men where you were able to kind of utilize sex and stereotypical attractiveness to get what it is that you want from them. But keep in mind that this is a biased survey and you're more likely to attract men who are more interested in doing what you want than you are to men who are not. I think that it's important for you to set your sexual health boundaries if you want people in open relationships that you're with to use condoms, and that is a hard line for you. That's actually a very reasonable boundary for a lot of people in open relationships, and I think you might want to think about the meaning that you're atta attaching to certain sexual acts and understand whether or not you and your partner share that meaning and also question your own internal understanding of whether monogamy is actually a, an inherently safer option for you and realize that there's only so much that you can control about your partner and the decisions that they make and that their decisions that they make is a reflection of them and their grown adults and it's not that you have power or sway over them. And then another thing is to remember that there is a person out there, there's billions of people on the planet, so there every single there's there is a person out there that's better than you at any conceivable thing and that it's not necessarily about choosing a partner with the most skills. 
and it's a lot more complicated than that. And last but not least, I think that you should really think about what you want out of a relationship. Think about, do a little bit more reading about what it is like for married couples when it comes to sex, and really think about whether or not this is something that you want if what you desire is more spontaneity, because I'm not saying that's a wrong thing to want, and there are a lot of people who get involved in non-monogamy because they love that sort of honeymoon phase in relationships and they become what's called a comet partner because then they can have that kind of honeymoon phase with multiple people and kind of keep that energy alive. But if you read and understand more of the experiences that most people have when they become partnered, when they become married or engaged and then start to live together, the type of sexual engagement you have now is not not uncommon for that type of life, if that makes sense. So yeah, I hope that helps and good luck. Thank you for listening to episode 89 of the Non-Monogamy Help Podcast. If you want to be awesome, you can donate to our Patreon. Donating $5 or more means your name with your permission. We've read at the end of the podcast. This week's current patrons are Laura Boylan, Chris Alperay-Jones, Juke Ellen Robertson, Nikki Jones, James Wartell, Leo Yaki, and Tyler Tigno. If for whatever reason you can't become a patron because life happens, then if you can take five minutes, log into iTunes, find the podcast, rate and review it, that would be super helpful as it helps me get the podcast out there to new people. And if you don't want to write a review, that's absolutely fine. Just do a rating. That's very appreciated. And please let me know on Instagram or on Twitter if you've given the podcast a rating or a review. Unfortunately, I do not get notifications from Apple when I get a new review, which is silly. And if you work at Apple, then tell them I said so. Anyways, thank you. If you have five minutes, I'd definitely appreciate that. That's all for this week. You'll get a new column next Friday and another episode in a fortnight. Thank you again for listening. You've been listening to Non-Monogamy Help. The music was done by Chris Albury-Jones at albury-jones.com. Our podcast art was done by Dom Young at domduong.com. Thank you again for listening.